This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I want to look at the responsibility we have, and this really dovetails in with our series in the book of Acts. I want to remind us of what we have already considered from that first chapter of the book of Acts. And you'll remember uh, that there was a peripheral focus. Peripheral means a secondary focus that the disciples had. Jesus had gone to the cross, uh, had risen from the grave. The work of redemption is done. And so uh, the disciples now still are being tempted to think, okay, redemption's work is finished, and now, Lord, you're going to bring in the kingdom, right? And you'll remember back in chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but it says, when they were therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. God gets to determine when that is going to be, and and. And he also explains what some of those circumstances are going to be upon his return. But that's a peripheral focus. The primary focus is found in verse 8, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. That's the primary focus. Being witnesses to Christ. And of course, that involves the gospel. Uh, what Jesus did, and as Brother Scott preached this morning, how people should respond to what he did. His work demands a response. That's the primary focus. We took time in our series in Acts to look at the fact that really Acts 1.8 uh, not only is the charge to God's people, but it also lists out for us and gives us the structure of the book of Acts. And, and you'll remember there that, that the first part of the book of Acts, Jerusalem and Judea, and then uh, the next part, the next chapters in Acts, uh, the work in Samaria, and then the last part of the book of Acts, taking us from chapter 13 all the way through the rest of the book, is the ministry as the church takes the gospel of the uttermost parts of the earth. It was the known world uh, in, uh, in Roman times. And so the primary focus, the early church was faithful to their calling. But when we get to chapter 13, we're reminded about some personal qualifications then for missionary leadership. Now, Brother McCain, Tammy, heard this during AFBM Family Week. And uh, so just like uh, Kevin invited the rest of us to listen into his challenge uh, to the McCains, uh, I'm inviting the McCains to listen into my challenge to you. All right? Uh, and this, this is our challenge, the personal qualifications for missionary leadership. When we study the book of Acts... In chapter 13, we read this now in verse 1. Now there were the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas, Simon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaim, 
which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. In other words, he was in the same family, was raised in the same family as Herod the Great. Think about the power of the gospel, that God had reached into the, fa into the family of Herod. And out of that, God saved, and, and, and this, young, this man uh, brought up with Herod, probably educated with him. They were probably close boyhood companions, basically a foster brother to Herod. He is now here in the church at Antioch listed with these other faithful godly men. And then it closes with the name, you'll recognize it, Saul, who is Paul. Now what a lineup. But they all had some things, some spiritual things in common. This ought to define every missionary. All right? They were in the church at Antioch. They were already ministering, already serving. They were called to preach. They were gifted as prophets and teachers. They were committed to spending time with Jesus. How do we know that? Well, look at chapter 13, verse 2. As they ministered, that's the word where we get our word for liturgy, liturgical. It's talking about ministry that involves worship. So literally, they were ministering. They were uh, doing this work of worship to the Lord. And then it says that they fasted. All right, Theological Dictionary of the New Testament says that their work was one of worship, prayer, and fasting. And as they were doing this, the Holy Ghost said, separate me. It's a word that means, of all these men that are listed, I want you to mark off a boundary for me. Take these two and set them over here, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So let's back up and see what was happening once we get here to chapter 13, let's establish the context. The early church is going to the uttermost parts of the earth, and it begins in a local church, begins in Antioch, where men who are called of God to proclaim His word and who are committed to spending personal time with the Lord. Worshipful, prayerful, willing to fast, are chosen by the Holy Spirit to take the gospel to the regions beyond their area, Antioch, where they are from. So this is foundational to a missionary's relationship with his sending church. The church recognizes these qualifications in the missionary. And then, being led by the Holy Spirit, sets those individuals apart as God works in their lives to the work. A missionary's relationship with his sending church begins with the fact that regardless of the background of, of individuals, we heard about Scott and Tammy's again this morning, this is known by the church that the missionaries walk with God, how that we know how they worship, pray, and how they minister. And then that missionary, is, we know that he is spirit gifted for the work. Say, why on a Sunday when a missionary is commissioned, does, do you, pastor, have him preach in the morning? Because I want us to be reminded again of the spiritual gifting that God has placed on the missionary. Just be blunt with you. Uh, we won't, uh, 
if a missionary says, I have been called to go to this area and to preach, uh, we won't take them on for support if he can't preach. Okay, that's, that's kind of obvious, right? It doesn't matter if he's really organized and, and has a great personality and, and uh, draw, you know, draws people in. Uh, that way, no, he's got to be able to preach the word. Like Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Know how to rebuke uh, and reprove and exhort. All right, and so this is what the church at Antioch had recognized in the lives of these missionaries. And they're set apart to be able to do this, and that is our responsibility as well. Now, then the church affirms that this is God's call on their life. Look at verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. This is their affirmation. It's not their choosing. All right, it's not them saying, this is what we think is best. No, they've sought the Lord's will on what he says is best. And now the church says, we affirm. Uh, as one commentator Put it, this is a solemn setting apart because we recognize God's call on these lives. And then they send them away. Now, let me just pause for a moment and church, have us understand what that word sent them away means. It's a Greek word that is different from the, the fact that they were sent out in the next verse, in verse 4. There are two different words that are used here. Sent them away is the word apoluo. And here's what it means, to relieve fully of a burden. In other words, the church's action was to fully meet the needs before, as verse 4 says, they are sent forth. That's a different word. So our responsibility is not only to recognize the qualifications, acknowledge God's call on their lives. That's why we take time to hear their testimonies, to consider their gifting. This is why when Brother Scott first came to uh, Good News, or they were considering coming here, uh, I talked to the pastor he was serving under. Uh, we had meetings together, uh, heard, heard his testimony, uh, heard his, about his call. And then we took time uh, one evening for the pastoral staff and the deacons to bring Brother Scott in. And we had a meeting where there was a full examination of this brother. Okay? Uh, that happened. And once that was determined, okay, then, then we proceeded further. But now in these months, these years really, that they've been on deputation, uh, we have worked to support them, to pray for them as they've been going to get uh, support from other churches because we want to be true to what the text is saying here to relieve them fully of a burden. Not to send them and, and for them to wonder, all right, who's, uh, you know, are we going to have enough support? Or, uh, you know, how are we going to uh, make our trip over there? Is there going to be enough resources to be able to get there? Whatever needs they have, it's our responsibility to send them to relieve that burden for them. Okay? 
And then in verse 4, it says to send forth. Realize that the responsibility of the send them away, that was on the church in verse 3. In church, or I'm sorry, in verse 4, who is the one who sent them forth? Look at the text, tell me. It's the Holy Spirit. Once again, make no mistake, he's the one that is, and the word literally means to dispatch them, to send them away. Holy Spirit did that. What a partnership. So they're sent to the new ministry that God had called them to. And so Barnabas and Saul are on their way under the prayerful watch of those who were assured of their walk, their gifting, and their calling. Later, we'll see in chapter 14 and verse 26 that this was the church that had recommended them to the work. That simply means delivered them over. Delivered them over, fully supported, taken care of to go do what God had called them to do. So as Paul and Barnabas, and by the way, this is the first time in this chapter that Paul is called Paul in your New Testament. Okay, as, as they head out on this first missionary journey. As they travel, you'll witness powerful miracles and conversions that take place. Why? Because they are men who are already known to spend time with Jesus in worshipful prayer and fasting. If the work's going to be done, God is going to have to do it through them. And they were sent out by a church that also knew how to spend time with Jesus in worshipful prayer and fasting. So what kind of ascending church does a missionary want to have? Listen carefully. I'm aware of the time. First, they want to be out of ascending church that knows them and models what the church at Antioch was. Where we know how to worship and pray and fast. Where we're involved in the work of the ministry as well. It's not paying McCain's and others to go do the work that we should be doing. No, we're doing it here, but God has called us to here, and we're helping them to get where he has called them to go. Secondly, you want to keep them informed about how to pray for you as a missionary, remembering that their calling is uh, to affirm and sustain the calling of the missionary. And so when missionaries send prayer letters back, what they want to know from ascending church is that we're really going to pray about that, the, the needs that they share. It's not just another email. It's an opportunity to pray for specific needs. The Holy Spirit could have called these missionaries out of Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, he could have called them out of another church, but he chose Antioch and gave them the stewardship of the first missionary team. McCain's could have been called out of other places, but God has called them from here. Now, not only is that exciting, but boy, is that challenging for us? What a responsibility. What a joy when the Lord gives a church, like good news, that stewardship. And the stewardship of multiple missionaries like he has done here for us. But what a responsibility. Now the McCain's know this, and this is what we should expect, and I'm done. Go over now to chapter 14 and verse 26. 
you get to see these missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, and, and the exciting work that they do on this, or God does through them on this first missionary journey. But then in verse 26, we read this, and thence sailed to Antioch, and from whence they had been recommended, delivered over again to the grace of God, for the work that they fulfilled. In other words, because of a good supporting church that prayed for them, fasted for them, everything that God wanted them to accomplish was completed. Look at verse 27. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed, they gave a full report of all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And notice the end of verse 27, who gets the glory? When they came back, they had some pretty exciting missionary stories to tell. God had done a mighty work, but who gets the glory? God does. How that God, had, what God had done with them and how he had opened the door. All right. So, in a few years, we're going to have the opportunity to have McCain's back. McCain's understand that they have a responsibility to come back and be refreshed for a while. Now, the Holy Spirit's going to have to determine that, Scott and Tammy. And, uh, and certainly Christian will want to see you occasionally, I'm sure. But notice verse 28. And there they abode or remained long time with the disciples. So they took time to be refreshed, to be renewed. And that long time that they were with the disciples, they just worked right alongside uh, the, their sending church in the work of the ministry that, that believers in Antioch were doing. So they had a chance to report and they had an opportunity to serve together. It brought mutual refreshment. It strengthened everyone's faith. And it also gave two missionaries who had miles on their feet, Paul and Barnabas, the opportunity to recover. So this really is the foundational truth that it helps us understand what our responsibility is as their sending church. I'm going to ask a very simple question. Do you think that God expects the McCains to be more worshipful, more prayerful, to engage in fasting, and to be ministering more than he expects you and me to be doing those things, yes or no? No. No. It is all of our responsibility. Now, if we are, we're comparing ours, full-time vocational ministry, that's what God's calling them to do you may not be able to put in as many hours in ministry per se, but remember, uh, there also have to be sending churches back here that are able to financially and prayerfully support what they're doing. That's what we get to do. But when it comes to earnestness and, and a desire to see souls one for Christ and an understanding of whose responsibility really is it, there's a simple answer. The churches. Church is not what we're in here. It's who we are here. It's our job. 
The greatest encouragement we can be to the McCains is for them to hear that souls are being won here. Yeah, we're praying for them. Yes, we're holding up their hands. And yes, monthly they're getting a support check from us. That helps too. But they want to hear, what is God doing to grow good news? Are we seeing God's power here? And as we see that here, that encourages all of our missionaries. By my count, about nine families right now. and encourages all of them that the foundation is continuing to be built on Christ because we're being faithful to the work God has called us to do. So good news, are we willing tonight to recommit ourselves to be ascending church like Antioch? There's, there's the blueprint. There's, there's uh, what it looks like black and white, it's who they were, and it's who we must be. Let's pray together. Father, tonight, would you help each of us here at Good News to recommit ourselves to be like these faithful believers in Antioch? Certainly in that church, there were saints who worked in the market, worked in the fields, maybe worked in government, uh, Lord, but they were first committed to the ministry of worship and prayer and fasting. And it was in a church like that that you were growing and raising up godly servants that then could be set apart by you for missions beyond the city limits of Antioch. And Lord, so exciting to read in the chapters 13 and 14, all the miracles, all the great things that happened through the Spirit. But God, we have to believe it's because there was a praying church back at Antioch. A faithful church. A church that was staying true to the fact that they were also under Acts 1-8 orders. Now God, we need to recommit ourselves to be as faithful as the McCain's in what we should be doing here. Bible school follow-up coming up every week, visiting guests who are, are in our church, uh, helping to disciple those that have been recently saved. Uh, Lord, we, we can be tempted to be so involved in our daily lives and, and earthly things that we lose sight of what's most important. So, Father, in Jesus' name, would you enable Good News Baptist Church to be what the church at Antioch was for the sake of the work in England and how you're going to use the McCains and, and Guernsey and Cambodia and all these other areas. Chook. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 757- 
888-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.